This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. It's March. I, I No, I said it's March. We're like two weeks away from St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I cannot believe that my birthday year has already begun. It's over. No, why, when you, it's over. It's always my birthday year, dude. Yeah. Um, welcome to the show. We got to uh, obviously get into LeBron James owning an NBA team. Le GM. Do we need more NBA teams? I don't know that we need more NBA teams. And where those NBA teams will be is going to be just as much a discussion as do we need them. We'll talk about that. we got to talk BYU spring football. Hey, man, I'm telling you, this is a critical, critical year for Jaron Hall. And it started yesterday with BYU spring football. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not Team Jaron. Yeah, you are. You hate Jaron Hall. I'm not saying I'm not Team Jaron. In fact, I think you said that Jacob Conover is the best quarterback BYU's ever seen in its history, right? I'm not saying I'm not Team Jaron. Uh-huh. But Jacob Conover, my God, did you see those abs? I'm going to say this again. I don't know if he has abs or not. Okay. Uh, okay we'll talk a little BYU football coming up. Um, but obviously, we want to talk about you winning a PlayStation 5. Yeah. Um, and it is very simple, friends. This is not difficult. All you have to do to win this unbelievable piece of merchandise is subscribe to the channel. That's all you have to do. Hit subscribe, give us a thumbs up, and you too can win this PlayStation 5. We want to give it to you. As soon as we get to 5,000 subs, we're going to give it to you. That's it. It's that simple. Um, follow us on TikTok, The Monty Show, M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show. And, of course, you also want to buy our merch, right? Because you're a casual. You can get your You're a Casual shirt for 25 bucks. DM Jake on Twitter or Instagram, SLC Supercars, SLC Supercars. Without further ado, let's talk Utah Jazz basketball because it seems like there is a raging debate now that the Jazz man... Men and stuff, gentlemen, have won nine of their last 10 games. And certainly you would think it would be 10 of 11 after they dismantle the Rockets. Um, that the Jazz are once again one of the best teams in the NBA and perhaps the best team in the Western Conference. Jake, what say you? Yeah, I don't think they're top three in the, in the, in, in the Western Conference. And the only reason I say that is I look at the top three teams and I just think that they're better. I, I think they have more talent and they're more capable. So I think the Suns, the Warriors, and the Grizzlies are all better than the Utah Jazz. Now, that said, the Jazz are capable of beating anybody on any night. It should be like I want you guys to hear me say that. The Jazz are capable of beating any of these teams on any given night. But the reason that I say that I think the Suns, the Warriors, and the Grizzlies are better than the Utah Jazz is because I think those three teams in particular have more ways to win basketball games than the Utah Jazz do. I think you look at the Suns, um, you know, a lot of people yesterday in the show said, well, the Jazz only beat the Suns because Chris Paul was out, X, Y, and Z. I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. I say that, hey, the Jazz beat the Suns. 
They beat the Suns team that was put in front of them. The Jazz shouldn't be penalized for that. But when I look at a fully healthy Suns team in a seven-game series in the postseason, let's say, that's obviously a different beast. And that's why I say I think that, that the Suns are a better team because they've proven – that they've proven their quality. They've proven they're able to beat you in many different ways, inside, outside, fast, slow. They can basically do it all. So that's why I think the Suns are better. The Warriors, I feel like, are a little bit different. The Warriors feel like a team that have um, sort of come up from the bottom feeder position in the league while Clay was out for two years and, and Wiseman's been out. And it feels like Curry has kind of held them along and strung them along, you know, and now they're back to where they were. You've got both Clay and Steph playing really well. Draymond Green isn't even back yet, and this team is second in the West. So imagine what's going to happen when Draymond Green comes back on fresh legs and they make their playoff run. I think we can all agree they're better than the Utah Jazz. And then, of course, there's the controversial Memphis Grizzlies, which I think is a very close comparison to the Jazz. The reason I give the Grizzlies the edge is because I think they're a tougher team. They're a grittier team. I think they will win the the emotional battle in a seven game series, and I think guys like Desmond Bain are 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 the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. That guy will break you, um, you know, in a seven game series, and 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 I think um, you know, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is somebody who is going to be a problem for the Jazz, specifically in the matchup against Rudy. So that's why I think those three teams are better than the Jazz. But I, I just can't get down with anybody saying that the Mavericks are better or the Nuggets are better or anybody below them are better because I just don't think that those teams um, have what it takes to, to beat the Jazz in a seven-gamer. Well, and I think the other part of this conversation that's so interesting is the matchups. I mean, mm -hmm. I still maintain that the, the team that comes out of the West, in my opinion, is either going to be Golden State or... Uh, Memphis. I think what John ja Morant right now is doing is is nothing short of incredible. Um, I mean, and I don't care if it's the San Antonio Spurs or your mom's knitting circle. Uh, he is dunking on people all over the place. Yeah. And you look at the way that he has improved his shot, uh, the shot range, that three-pointer from essentially Dallas uh, last night. Like, I think he was in the city of Dallas, and that went in the city yeah. of San Antonio. The shot was over the Alamo into. Anyway, it was really long and deep, and that's what I've heard before too many times. But my point is, John right. Morant has improved his three-point shooting. Um, his defense now is, I think, he's one of the better defensive point guards in the league. Like this guy is doing everything. The Jazz have no answer for that. Okay, well, nobody has an answer for that. But then the the issue is, how do you guard Jaron Jackson Jr.? How do you guard Bain? How do you guard this guy and that guy and slow-mo? Yeah. And I think that team is exponentially better than most people give them credit for. I think they are a better team than the Utah Jazz Memphis. The other team that obviously you talked about that I agree with is the Golden State Warriors. Like, I look at the way that Klay Thompson is recovering. They're not relying on him to win games. The guy they miss is Draymond Green. But again, Draymond's not a guy that relies on a soft death touch right. to score the basket, right? He's a guy that distributes the ball, rebounds, runs the floor, kicks to Steph. Like, that guy can get healthy and play. And if they get Steph, Clay, and Dre back, I think that's the best team in the Western Conference. I think they are better than the Utah Jazz when they are at full strength. I, I think the Suns are a very interesting conundrum for the Jazz. I think you're looking at a team that's very different without Chris Paul. 
I don't know what I don't care about the regular season. So that game the other night, it was great. It's a statement. It's nice to have the energy and the win on the road. But I don't know that it means anything come, you know, postseason. I, I don't. Does it give you confidence going head to head with them? I don't know. Uh, maybe it should. I have no idea. But what I know is no matter the team you talk about, the Utah Jazz, excuse me, the Utah Jazz are playing far better basketball than they have been. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because everything now is running through Donovan. And I think that's what I've been asking for for a long time, Jake. And I think you're starting to see now the Jazz have philosophically changed the way they're balling. And it's going through Donovan and they've won nine of 10 doing it. Yeah. And it's funny what happens when you put the ball in, in your best player's hands, you know, and, and I think that Donovan, as we've talked about, um, just has to make good decisions. And I think he's improved in that area. Um, I obviously it goes without saying that defensively he has improved quite a bit. I mean, you can literally see all the effort he's putting in if you, if you're watching the games and, and I think offensively, you know, I look at like players like, you know, the John Morants of the world or these players that get up and down and transition for the easy basket. I think that's what Donovan can bring, you know, that making sure that the team is playing with pace. You know, one thing I noticed when they were playing against the Lakers the other night when they had lost that game is that they were playing really slow. You know, they were playing really like kind of just very methodical. I'm not going to say lifeless basketball, but they were just kind of walking it up the floor. Not really. They didn't really feel too energetic in that game. And I think the Jazz best basketball is when they're playing kind of in that frenetic pace where, you know, they don't have to play straight up half court set to set basketball where they can get the transition bucket. Then Rudy can get a block and then they can get out, you know, and, and get a nice wide open transition three. And that, you know, like that kind of pace is, is where the jazz really thrive. And I think when yeah. you put the ball in Donovan Mitchell's hand early in the game, like I'm talking about, you know, first possession, first five to seven possessions, just let him carry the ball up and get you into a good offensive rhythm. I've noticed that that really helps this team kind of get going and get into the floor. Yeah, and I think that the point you make about the pace of play for the Jazz, that to me is really compelling. I look at that a lot over the last month. And again, I just think you have to look at pre-Don concussion, post-Don concussion. This is a different team, only they still play plotting basketball a lot of times. And... I think a lot of this revolves around Mike Conley mm -hmm. and I think Mike's age and I think the miles on those tires are starting to add up. And I, I know I said it yesterday and I, I've been saying it a lot, but I think Mike Conley is struggling to finish at the rack. Like when you look at him in the paint, that little push floater teardrop layup yeah. that has been such an invaluable part of his arsenal has not been there this year. Is that because of eggs and age and lift and legs? Eh, it could be. But I, I also think that, you know, their their highest, best offense has come when Donovan's on the ball. Mm -hmm. And that's both good and bad. I mean, there are a lot of turnovers that you just wish didn't happen. Um, but I also don't want Jordan Clarkson bringing the ball up. Um, I also don't want Mike Conley playing 40 minutes a night. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Mike is still an elite three-point shooter. Um, he is still an elite passer. But... I don't think teams fear him as much as they had previously. And so it'll be interesting to see how some of that plays out. You know, and, and this is why I look at a guy like Sadoransky who was available, who winds up going back to Washington. Right. I know the Jazz had interest in him. At least that's what I was told. I was surprised that they didn't make a harder run at him. 
Um, I'm surprised that Jared Butler's not getting developed because I see the decline in Mike Conley and I think it's been precipitous and I think it has been, it's been a part of the untold story of this team. Right. And I wonder if, you know, like, like maybe this is just not Mike Conley focusing on the season and this is him saving himself for the postseason. I don't know. But what I do know is this team is playing really good basketball, and I don't feel like Mike Conley is like an integral part of their success right now. Yeah, I mean, I think he's integral in certain situations. I think generally speaking, you're right. I think, you know, this game against the Suns, Mike had a nice start to the game where it felt like he had made a couple threes. You know, he obviously was playing pick and roll with Rudy. And so he had made some plays, but I, but I don't think that Mike is an integral part of the team in the sense that, you know, they absolutely have to have him to win games. I mean, hell, the guy was on the bench for most of the closing stretch of yeah. the game. I mean, yeah. I mean that tells you everything you need to know. But I think what's really interesting on the Jared Butler front is the Daniel House um, Royce O'Neal situation because the Jazz have shown a willingness to give House plenty of minutes now after his contribution. And yes, I know that his contribution obviously has been more impactful than Jared Butler's. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. But I just think the process by which that played out is kind of what you have to do with Jared Butler. Obviously, Jared Butler's not going to take Mike Conley's spot, and I'm not advocating for that. But what I am advocating for is you need to play the guy. You need to, like, he needs minutes. And so now we're at a point in the season where Obviously, you're you're kind of in the final stretch, and your your priority most likely, if you're Quinn Snyder, is just making sure that you know your starting five is healthy and the chemistry is good, and you know you're basically just ready to go for the postseason. Because at this point, again, as we detailed yesterday and last week, you're you're going to be in the four seed unless you just have some terrible collapse. Let's say, and you lose like ten of your next, you know, fifteen or, if or something. Or Memphis fell apart, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there would have to be some kind of crazy swing for the Jazz not to be in the four seed one way or the other. You know, point is, is that that's like where you're going to be, and they know that. So, unfortunately, their priority is going to be getting ready for the postseason and making a run. But I'm telling you, the priority should be getting Jared Butler minutes and continuing to develop him while you do that. And I just don't think that's the case. Yeah, and. I know we talk about that particular topic a lot. It, it, it is stunning to me that Jerry Butler has not gotten more minutes. Like it, it's, and I would think it would help their case too, to get back to the original question we're asking, which is, are the jazz a top three team in the Western conference in the NBA? I think if you had a, a, a consistent contributor in Jared Butler, even if it was only for 10 minutes a night, again, it needs to be said, we're not advocating for, for Jared to play, 30 minutes a night. We're not advocating for him to step right, into right, Jordan right. Clarkson's role. Right. We're just saying, hey, you know, a guy that can that can spell Mike Conley for 10, maybe 15 minutes a night. But, Jake, think about it against a Memphis. Mm-hmm. John Morant's wearing your ass out. Yeah. Like, it just didn't – Mike I, Conley can't stay with John Morant. Not exactly. many can, but I'm telling you that, that if there was going to be somebody who could, I think Jared Butler's athleticism and quickness as a young guy, he's got life in his legs because yes. he's young could potentially, you know, make John Morant's life a little more difficult. Well, and, and let's be honest about it. When I think when you're looking forward and you're projecting, I'm a big matchup guy, right? So if I'm looking forward, how do the Jazz defend a John Morant? Because there's so much that happens when he's bringing the ball up and his hair's on fire and he's sprinting down the floor and he gets into the paint and he's either going to dunk on you or somebody's shooting an open three. Yeah. 
And one of the things that the Jazz really struggle with defensively, in my opinion, is they overcorrect. They overhelp on defense. And I think what you see is is guys like, uh, you know, Buckets O'Bench wind up. <laughs> I have to. It's one of the greatest things you've ever said. <laughs> uh, I think when you look at a guy like Royce O'Neal, he overhelps. <laughs> he overhelps defensively. You look at Boyan Bogdanovich. How many times have we seen bogey in no man's land defensively? Bojan. Not helping, but not defending. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to help. Well, maybe I won't. Oh, don't get dunked on. Okay, Bowen I'm out. Bowen Bogdanovich. Right? Like, you're just like, ah, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't want to get purdled by John Morant. Right. I said purdled. Yeah, he, he got purdled. Anyway, right. the point is, like, that matchup terrifies me. The Phoenix matchup really worries me because I think the Jazz have shown they struggle against teams in the mid-range. Like, when, the, when you have an elite mid-range team, I, I think it's something that – the Jazz don't have the physical bodies to compete against elite mid-range teams. Yeah. I mean, you can tell guys to press out, <coughs> excuse me, to press out to the three-point line. You can tell guys to do that. That's a that's one way to do it. The problem is when you're doing that, Rudy's one-on-one -on -one with everybody else who gets by you. Yeah. Well, when Jaron Jackson Jr.'s out there, you're not going to be able to press out to the three-point line and just be five guys on the arc. Yeah. That's not going to work because John Morant's going to break you down. That matchup terrifies me is, is the way I would say it. But when you're talking about how good the Jazz are playing, right now today, hell yeah, they're one of the best teams in the NBA. Um, but we saw last year they were the best team in the NBA. Right. And it doesn't matter. And as far as, as, as I'm concerned, as long as this team has home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, I think you're going to win a series. If you're sleeping on Dallas, and again, I, I see all of the yesterday people were tweeting me memes of, you know, how, um, you know, Rudy Gobert is Luka Doncic's daddy. And, you know, it's like, okay, that's cool, bro. That's one isolated situation in February. Yeah. And I, I just think that it, it you don't have a guy in Luca as much as I want to punch him in the face and pound his mom. Um You're that casual. Probably came out wrong, but his mom is still hot. Anyway, the point is <laughs> I look at Luka Doncic, he makes the guys around him better. Right. It, he does. And whether it's Bullock, whether it's, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., like you look at some of the guys who have been there that he's given more space to that have made them better players. Brunson. Yeah, no doubt about it. Like that's that's what scares you about Dallas. But if you have home court advantage, you feel like you should win that series. Yeah, the Jazz should win a series against Dallas. Yeah, I mean, but but I, I, I think – I it, don't think it's a cakewalk, but they should win it. And, but only if you have yeah. home court advantage. Well – If you got to play four of the seven I, in Dallas, I'm not so thrilled about that. Yeah, well, if home court advantage last year didn't mean anything to this team. I mean, honestly, it didn't well, mean it didn't decide anything. So I don't know. I don't know. I, again, I'm yeah. not trying to be negative. I'm just saying, the past, right? Jake, past we all listen. We all know. We all, we all know you hate the Jazz. Yeah, we all Keep we know. It real. Yeah, you all, we all know that you're just a casual and you're a hater. Yeah, I mean there that's who I am. Somebody in the YouTube comments yesterday was like, "You guys aren't casuals. You're just haters." You're well, a casual. Okay. So is that a backhanded compliment? Well, I you guess. guys aren't casuals. I mean, you watch the game. Um, but you are a hater, so sorry if you're offended by that. I'm never coming back. Okay. And then he's back next next show. Well, enjoy your life. Uh Snooka. I just like saying your name like that. Hi, Snooka. Good to see you, my friend. Uh Edgar Garcia, what's up? Good to see you, players. 
Uh, Steve Hambone, good morning, guys. Let's Hambone. go, Jazz. Hambone. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, morning. Mm, Jaron Hall. <laughs> Jeremy, put your clothes on. That's going to get you on the registry at some point. Uh, JP <laughs> Shanahan, what's up? He says, fourth. Okay. I. <laughs> If you're not first, you're fourth. Uh, Bolton also says, I think it should be required to be a Jaron Hall fan to win the PS5. Could be. Uh, Blind Swordsman DS says, no to the, the Jazz are not elite yet, but let's see the following weeks in good morning. If you ain't first, you're last. You know. Good morning, Shanahan. Calvin Johnson said, is Zion Williamson, John Morant, the new Greg Oden, Kevin Durant? Wow. That could be. You are <laughs> A, you are a savage, sir. <laughs> B, I don't disagree with that at all. I think... And again, like the this was odd. Okay, so I said that on this channel that Zion Williamson is a bust. I've said what? it for going on two years. I put it on TikTok, and you'd have thought that like I kicked somebody's mom or something. Like three fourths of this is inaccurate. People are like you're an idiot. You don't watch the league. You, do you watch basketball? Have you ever seen him play? No, Zion who? He plays lacrosse, right? Because it's garbage. Are you sure he's not a jockey for horse racing? So get your facts straight. Idiot. Idiot. Uh, Blind Schwartzman says, oh, you tell Jake, uh, although you tell Jake Scott, he'd be like the Jazz are better than the Grizzlies, which I see either side on that one. I would like somebody to explain to me how the Jazz are better than the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Like, with all due respect to Jake Scott, A, he works for the team. I'm not sure what you would expect him to say. <laughs> B... Um, I, I don't, there's not a matchup that favors the jazz on that, in that. Nah, whole thing. nah, I mean, any, not. any team that's got a big who can pull Rudy away from the basket has a significant advantage over the jazz. Yeah. And then when you have a big that can pull Rudy Gobert away from the basket and you have one of the best finishers at the rim the who, rock attack. who is body snatching. Yeah. Okay. Um, and John Morant, I mean, what's it going to be? Are you going to, so you're going to let Jaron Jackson Jr. beat you. You're so fucked. He already made a game winner on you. It's true. You, you know, like he, and he was wide open. Yeah. Cause what was Rudy doing? <laughs> that better, better oh, <laughs> like it's that whole better go to the rim, protect the three. <laughs> you're not doing both. No, you can't. You're not And the way they reverse the basketball. It doesn't matter. Like I, the, I'm telling you, a seven game series, Memphis is winning that series, and I think it'd only be five, six games. Yeah. So, and I like Jake. I I try to listen to Ben and Jake. I don't. Jake's been off a lot lately, so it is what it is. Uh, Shanahan says I'm actually on time. You don't think Phoenix has a chance to win the West? <clears throat> you know, you know. Obviously, I'm a book fan. I you? think me. What? I mean, my Jaron Hall is Devin Booker. Um, see, that's that's it. Right, right. To Jer Wait, like I'm yeah, to Jeremy Bolton reference. Right, right. No. Your Jaron Hall is uh, Devin Booker. You know. Right. Okay. Yeah, we um, got it. Yep. I think. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Is Chris Paul healthy, or does he have two broken hands again, or did um, he did he pick his groin up off the floor in Houston from five years ago? Like water's wet. And Chris Paul's hurt in the playoffs. I think that's like, HIPAA. It just is what it is, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I think that the fatal flaw in Phoenix is that 
They are very reliant on Chris Paul to be elite. And I understand that he creates space for everybody, and he's an excellent passer, excellent ball handler, really crafty, pretty savage. Like, he'll yeah. pick up five extra fouls on dudes during a game, and all of a sudden you're in the penalty. And when he's not there, Devin Booker's got to bring the ball up, and they're not as good without Chris Paul. So, yep. I don't know. Ask me, tell me if Chris Paul's is healthy. That That's what it does. Uh, Darrell King, good morning to you, friend. He says, Jazz probably a second-round exit again. Bring Carl Malone back. I think Carl's out looking for all the children. Never mind. Um, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> um, what? It's not my fault. Wow, dude. Hey, hey man. Dex, He's an assassin. He makes babies very well. Uh, JP Han Shanahan <laughs> says, 10-day contract, anyone? They should sign me. Um, Dallin, Dallin Sproul. Darren Sproles? Did you know Darren Sproles listens to the show? Who the fuck are you? Yeah. Um, Dallin says, Mike Conley, my neighbor's name is Dallin. Are you Dallin Levitt? I'm unfocused. Yeah. Um, Dallin says, Mike Conley, as well as Bogdanovich being role players when he needs to be more, they need more than just Don on offense. That's frustrating with with uh, Bagsnatchevich is that – Bagsnatchevich. <laughs> I haven't gotten a break out of uh, Boyan Bagsnatchevich in a long time. Bojan Bodanovic. <laughs> Boyan Bogdanovich needs to be a 20-point-a-night guy, and he's not. And in big games, he tends to be that 11, 12, 13-point guy. And some uh, part of me wonders why they don't feature him. Well, I know why they don't feature him, and it's because they don't run offense. Right. A lot of times when the game is tight or the game's on the line, it's, okay, hey, give Don the ball and – um, by the way, here's your ticket. Have a seat and watch him. Here's play what's going to happen. Tonto. You're going to get out of the way, yeah. right? Like that's what this is. Somebody's going to come set a screen and Don's going to get into the paint, which I just don't understand because that's not, that is not elite level basketball. I mean, uh, no, uh, pick and roll, not. pick and roll is, is, you know, it's as old as the game is itself. And I think that, you know, the the bogey issue is uh, the problem is it's not his own doing. He's one of the few players on the team where I can honestly say if you were to give him more opportunities, I think he would. I think he would make them. But the problem is, one game you're giving him like five shots, and the next game you give him like fifteen, and there's no consistency. Well, and, and it's because he can't create his own shot. Boyan yeah. Bogdanovich is reliant on on reversal. He's reliant on drive and kick. And what do we always say on this team? Too often. The driving kick game goes away. Too often, there isn't this ability to um, create offense by running sets because the Jazz don't just don't run sets. Which I don't understand, by the way. So it is at times it's paralyzing to this team because I, I agree. Um, I agree, Dallin. I think they become very much Don and everybody else. As we like, it's to easy say on this to show. defend. That's the thing. It's not difficult to defend that when this team goes that route. And Donovan is, and I think this summer he'll take a huge step forward. But he needs to become the guy where, if you pick him up at three quarter court, um, he's just he is going to a ball handle around you. Right now, he's going to give up the basketball. Right. And they have to figure out, and this is why, again, not to be redundant, but this is why Mike Conley is so important to be healthy. They need Mike to bring the ball up and put Donovan in a position where it's more difficult to double him because it's not hard to double him in the backcourt. We saw that a couple of years ago in the bubble against Denver when he gave the ball up. Yeah. Right? So it, it's just one of these things where the Jazz are just two, three guys short of being championship caliber. And we'll see what Danny does over the summer. I would like to think that he would make changes. Uh, John Jackson, what's up? Good to see you, dude. 
Do you think Mitchell does better as a point guard or a shooting guard? I don't think there's any doubt he does better not bringing the ball up. Yes. Um, I also don't like putting guys into, <laughs> excuse me, putting, see, like the cough was gone. <coughs> and it's so frustrating. I woke up last night. I went to bed. I got to bed on time about 930. Woke up at 1050 with a coughing fit. <coughs> and it's just freaking frustrating. Yeah. This little cough that could. <coughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> little cough that could. <laughs> and does. Um, I think Don's better off the ball as a shooting guard. If you want to pigeonhole guys. I think the best scorers in the league need to be off the ball because yeah. that's how they get to their spots. I mean, you notice that a lot of times, like, you know, Book doesn't, like when Chris Paul's healthy, Book doesn't bring the ball up. You know, when the Bulls are their best, DeMar DeRozan's not bringing the ball up. When the Nets are their best and everyone's healthy, KD's not bringing the ball up. You know, your best scorers need to be off the ball so they can get that, you know, so they can get lost in the paint and then get back out to the perimeter and get that open look. But that also speaks to the point that the Jazz don't run offense. Yeah. Like, I, I look at Devin Booker, and I think that's a great point. Devin Booker loves to be, you know, free throw line extended. Um, standing at the three-point line, Paul will bring the ball up either middle or offset to the opposite side, and Booker just runs that little curl, and Paul will get him the ball, and Devin's either going to shoot a three or get to his mid-range. And a lot of times what they do out of that set is give the ball to Booker, he penetrates and kicks to the corner to Mikhail Bridges, who shoots a three. It gives them options. It gives them versatility. The Jazz don't have that. Because they don't run offense. Right. They don't run sets like that. And it's I think it's one of the things that I'd really like to see them change. To your point, and what I said earlier was, hey, give Donovan Mitchell the best opportunity to impact the game. Yeah. Allow him to get to the spot where he is comfortable. And right now, I think too often he's comfortable shooting, you know, long-range threes, which God bless his hands. I mean, they're, it's going in. Yeah. But – it's not reliable. That's I not, think there's a yeah. lot. I don't want him shooting 30% shots. I want him shooting 60, 70, 80% shots. Well, it's like, it's like it's you, you were watching the Bulls game last night, and we were kind of talking about how DeMar, you know, basically has his spots on the floor where he operates, which is essentially the free throw line elbow to elbow. And, and you notice that the Bulls make a, a concerted effort to get him the ball in those areas. And that's what... That's what I think running sets and really running a true offense could do for this team. Because, again, we've talked at nauseum on the show about how the Jazz lack some athleticism. You know, guys like Bogey are never going to be accused of being the most athletic guy in the NBA, you know. And so knowing that well, that's the case, why wouldn't you run yeah. offense to accommodate that? And that's yeah. the thing. That would be, you know, for all – because I know we have a lot of people who are like, well, Quinn doesn't make adjustments and they need to move on from Quinn, blah, blah, blah. So for the people who hate on Quinn – like that would that would be my complaint. Why don't we run more sets? Why don't we get guys in positions where the the opportunity for them to be successful is higher? That's what we should be doing in this offense. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Okay, correction time. Okay, here we go. Darrell King uh -huh. says, "Not sure why my parents spelled my name like that, but it's pronounced Daryl." Keep Love it real. Love y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Daryl. I'm a terrible person. Now, let me ask you this. Is it two R's and one L or one R and two L's? Uh, no, it's two R's and two L's and two E's. D Damn. D-E-R-R-E-L-L. -L. Well. That's Daryl. Sorry, buddy. But Daryl. Sorry, dude. No, it's Daryl and Daryl. Let's settle this right now. Yeah. 
Let's settle this right now. It's Daryl. Frank H. says, Golden State seems to have fallen from grace. Memphis, Utah, Phoenix are the real contenders. Right now, today, I'd agree with that. I think that the dubs are missing. Draymond Green is one of the most underrated players in the league. But to tell you his impact, Utah Jazz fans have been obsessing about him for two weeks now. He ain't even played a game. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's Draymond Green's impact. Like, he's in your head, man. You know, like, remember when Joe Ingles was in Paul George's head last year in the playoffs? Um, <laughs> so many people. If that was one of the greatest if, narratives I've ever heard last year. If you're new year. to this show, people are like, oh, the Jazz are going to sweep the Clippers. You know, Joe Ingles is in Paul George's head. And then Paul George, like, <laughs> goes berserk on this team. It was amazing. Um, Christ destroys communism. <laughs> Thank you for shortening your name. I do appreciate that. Uh, actually, the Jazz do have that. Uh, David Locke pointed that out last night. He broke it down perfectly. They spread the wealth. They've got a lot of weapons. Okay, so when they're playing well, the, and again, with all due respect to David Locke, he works for the team. What God do you bless. expect him to say? You know, um, David Locke leaves out the part where when the Jazz are playing good, they're the best team in the NBA. So he will just say, oh, man, the Jazz are the best team in the NBA. When the Jazz are going good and they're playing well, they're distributing the basketball. And more guys are getting involved. When they're in crunch time and they've got to have a basket instead of relying on sets that they've run 10,000 times, they're going to rely on Donovan Mitchell to make some crazy look like that, that off balance bank three shot in Phoenix the other day. It's not going into the playoffs. Too. How many times do you think that ball's going in? That's uh, what a 20% look maybe. I mean, and it's a great shot. It went in. Awesome. Yeah, give him credit, but, but what would you rather have Donovan shooting off the wrong foot, banking a three in, or driving into the paint and kicking to bogey who hits an open three look. I'll take the driving kick. Yeah. Every time. And the problem is when it's crunch time, when it's the Clippers and it's the playoffs last year, there was no offensive sets being run. Yeah. And when you can't defend in crunch time and you can't run sets in crunch time, let's remember that David Locke said, oh yeah, they actually do share the ball and they are amazing. Right. Well, when you've won eight of nine and nine of 10 and 10 of 11, everybody's happy, right? It's easy to have perspective when things are going well. Yeah. What happens when things don't go well? Well, if you're the Utah Jazz, generally what happens is you leave your process to the side of the road. And it's going to go into crisis lockdown mode here at the house. And everybody starts playing hero ball. Yep. And I know that Quinn Snyder and Donovan Mitchell get all upset and they get their buttholes puckered. Their say, buttholes puckered. When you say, wow, is that hero ball? And they're like, oh, that's offensive. It's disrespectful. Okay, we'll call it what you want. I call it Don and everybody else. I'm sorry if you're offended by that. But they get all emotional in crunch time, forget their process, and they're trying to chase a result that they don't have the work put in to gain. I'm going to say this again. The best teams in the NBA run set offense that gets them easy looks, whether it's the Devin Booker curl, whether it is Steph Curry giving the ball to Draymond Green, who then Steph Curry runs a baseline stagger screen. Yep. Comes up to the top, 
shoots a three. The crowd goes crazy. Is this the dagger? And all of a sudden, he hits three out of his next four threes, and you're like, well, shit, now we're now nine. What happened? Well, you didn't run offense, and they did. Like, that's the problem for the Jazz. Yeah. That's the problem for the Jazz. With all due respect to David Locke, who, as it was pointed out to me on YouTube the other day, you're a casual. David Locke knows way more than you. Okay, right, cool. Right. Cool, man. That's cool. I'm not saying David Locke doesn't know what he's you're talking casual. about. But he's paid by the team to say good things about the team. And I'm telling you right now, when crunch time comes, this team does not run offense. Yeah. This team relies on, on ISO basketball. And if you look at the teams that are championship teams, right? What happened to the Brooklyn Nets last year? Yeah. Everybody got hurt. So what were they forced to do? Yep. Run ISO basketball and Kevin Durant left his toe on the line. Mm. And at some point, somebody's going to drop some kryptonite on Superman. Yeah. So with the Jazz last year, that kryptonite happened to be stuck to Donovan's ankle. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, it's... Anyway. It's what happens. I digress. Jeremy Bolton says, Draymond is the most overrated player because he's riding the bench along with his BFF Caruso. Well, he's generally not overrated, and he is pretty rarely hurt. And by the way, he's won championships. Multiple championships. And he is one of the best defensive players in the league. And by the way, let me go ahead and get ahead of the, well, he has Steph and Clay. Yeah, by the way, he came in with those guys. They've developed together. They've all been working together out of the draft. So, well, and they, it's not that he has Steph and Clay. He has a guy named Bob Myers, the general manager. Um, he has got the Lake Up connection. Like, they have great owners. Golden State has a great ownership group. But my point a is... A great general manager. I don't want Draymond to... I don't want people to be accusing Draymond of getting a free ride to championships. He is he is yeah. one of the main reasons why they won those championships. Yep. Does he win championships if he's the only player on his team in some other city? Probably not. No. But guess what? He's not. And he's with Stephen Clay, and they've won multiple rings. So I, I just, I think the Draymond Green thing, you don't have to like the guy. This is the Rudy Gobert conversation. Rudy Gobert is one of the most disliked players around the NBA. He, yeah. the, the lack of respect for Rudy Gobert, which largely I think he's earned, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, the lack of respect for Rudy around the NBA. If he wasn't on your team, you wouldn't be a fan of Rudy Gobert. Right. Like, you're a fan of Steph. You're a fan of, like, Devin Booker is the perfect example. Right. Jazz fans hate Devin Booker. And largely, Jazz fans hate Devin Booker because the Jazz didn't draft him. Right. He turned into a star and you busted out on some other dude. You know, like, that's not Devin Booker's fault. And it's not his fault he routinely drops 30, 40 points on you. You should have drafted Devin Booker. Yeah. Right? But Jazz fans hate him. Why do Jazz fans hate Gordon Hayward? Because he went to the dance with another woman. That's why. And left you in the lurch. Too so, fucking bad, man. So you hate Gordon Hayward now. Right? Like, why do you hate Ennis Freedom? Well, because he would, didn't turn out to be the guy you thought he would be. Yep. And when the Jazz trade Rudy Gobert, you're going to hate Rudy Gobert. Because when he's, holding the, when he's on another team holding your jersey and your shorts... You're going to be like, that's a foul. Like, yeah, it's, it's anyway, <laughs> you know, it just is what he is, you know? Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ destroys communism, says Daniel House is a huge pickup. He's not a huge pickup. What Daniel House is, is a contributor, right? So you haven't had, and this is something else that I, <laughs> I was talking to a guy on Twitter about this. Daniel House is not a superstar. He is not uh, like there's a there was a Twitter thing the other day about how 
Daniel House should be the you know, known the Jazz have their new best defensive player, not Rudy Gobert. It's like, dude, do you understand that this guy's been on the team like three months? And do you understand that they picked him up off the trash heap? Yeah. He has bounced around, including Houston, who didn't have a place for him. Yeah. The Jazz picked him up, and now all of a sudden, Jazz fans are saying he's their lockdown defender. Somebody on Twitter the other day, and I'm not going to call you out for it because it's embarrassing. Oh, he's the new Kobe stopper. The new Kobe stopper. And I'm just like, dude, <laughs> this guy, bro, you understand that Daniel House is a situation only guy. He's not somebody you can play 35 minutes a night. He is not a superstar. He is not a stud. He is a he is a perfect fit guy. He plays solid defense and he can shoot the corner three. Yeah, that's what you need him to do. He's a bench player. Don't get all throbbed in the lower extremity over Daniel House. What's an erection? Because he plays good defense and shoots the three. Just understand who he's a role player, man. He's a role player. That said, I thought he did a half-decent job on book. And he's very good at playing his role. Yeah. He's very good at playing his role. And I think he is a good fit here in Utah. And that's why it was a little surprising they let him twist in the wind up to the trade deadline when that 10-day contract ran out. I was a little surprised by that. Do you think he's better than Royce? Well, your mom's better than Royce. Well, I think it's a legitimate question. People aren't talking about it. I don't think you can play Daniel House starters minutes because he gets exposed. When you leave him out there like a ton of minutes, he gets exposed. So when we talk about whether or not, you know, and I've left it on me forever – uh, when we talk about <laughs> whether or not, <laughs> shut up, Jake. When we talk about whether or not Daniel House is a is a guy that's a star, right? He's not a star, dude. He's not. No. Okay. Now, can he play starters minutes? Well, I I don't know if he can play star- starters. I would tell minutes, you he cannot. Minutes? He cannot play starters minutes. Um, you know, I look at, at the other day he played twenty two minutes. Perfect. It's great. Yeah. But I would say 20 minutes is the perfect number for him. I will say I do want him in there against their best player in crunch time. I do want him, like, rest. Like, I want to bring him off the bench rested and fully ready to play, like, a a really robust, like, five to seven minutes to try to stop somebody. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I I, looking at his game log, you know, I mean (laughs) – you just have to look at the numbers. I think here's here's what I think excites Jazz fans when they look at this guy. They see that him and Book were going back and forth, and and you know he uh, like for your again not not to not to tear people down, but for your casual NBA fan who just watches a game here, watches a game there, watches the ABC so, like, game. That's us. Yeah, that's us. You're right. Casual. Right. Yeah, you're casual. You know. You know? Casual. So like you know for those people who don't quite understand what's really going on, they're just kind of watching the game. For what like on a surface level they're gonna say that daniel house is is a great player and he needs more minutes and and everything's kosher but for for folks like us and for those of you listening to the show right now who are watching you know four or five jazz games a week let's say or like you're watching most of their games or whatever yeah you begin to understand that this is the same conversation that we're having about royce o'neill this is the same conversation we're having about jordan clarkson this is the same conversation we're having about this organization, right? Like, let's be clear on this conversation. This team is full of guys 
like Bogey, like House, like Royce O'Neal, like Mike Conley, and like Jordan Clarkson, who can't play 40 minutes a night, but who are asked to do things, you know, that they're really not capable of doing. So let's not add House to the list of guys who we're going to ask to play 35, 40 minutes and then be surprised when he gets exposed because yeah. that's like he's not a star. He has a purpose. He is a he is he is the best comparison I can say is you'd never use a hammer to screw in a screw to the wall, right? He is a hammer. Put him on their best player when you need a stop. When you're when you're up 3 with yep. 4 minutes left to go, bring him in the game. You know, that's what his purpose is. Like this is a guy, I'm telling you, this is a guy that plays 20 minutes a night. And there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with, with that. that. It should not be taken as wow, you guys are hating on this guy. We're not hating on this guy. We're being we're being logical. And we're being honest about what his highest and best use is. There, There's a reason. Listen, if everybody could play 40 minutes a night in the NBA, we wouldn't have appreciation for guys like LeBron and Steph and KD, these guys who are superstars. Not everybody is cut out to be the 40-minute-a-night guy. Yeah. I think when you look at, when you look at Daniel House mm-hmm. and you start to understand, you know, where – where is his highest best use? I would tell you that he's a guy that can pick you up half court. And he's a guy who can defend you with tenacity. He needs to evolve and be a smarter defender. You don't need to be man up on Devin Booker like trying to be in his jock. You're he's gonna you're gonna get a foul called on you. He is Devin Booker has picked up the savvy skill from Chris Paul of of Favoring the official to blow the whistle. Yeah. Doing things to get the official to blow the whistle. Yes. And I, what I would tell you is. Which is absolutely a skill. That is not his fault. That is not. And, and I also think one of the interesting things to me is that I think Daniel House does a really nice job of making one or two threes a game. Mm-hmm. Big, but big moment threes. And those are things that Royce O'Neal cannot do. Timely he, threes. He, Royce O'Neal would rather pass the three than shoot in the clutch. We've seen to, that. To the point where he will he won't shoot. There's two seconds on the shot clock. He doesn't know or doesn't care because he's going to pass it either way. Yeah. You know, so that to me is the is the bigger issue. And when you talk about having him out there instead of Royce, well, yeah, obviously, absolutely. Um, I'd rather have him out there instead of instead of Royce. I mean, um, but I, I look at the the – somebody's asking me about the 2015 draft. What does the 2015 draft have to do with the price of tea in China? They drafted Trey Lyles instead of Devin Booker. Okay, cool. They drafted Trey Lyles at 12. What does this have to do with anything? Why people hate Devin Booker. I mean, that, that why well, this, jazz this fans, why jazz age, fans hate Devin this Booker. This is his oldest time, dude. Jazz fans hate Devin Booker because the, 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 the front office of the Utah Jazz didn't draft him. That's why they hate End him. Of and story. he worked out. I mean, this is not complicated. We don't need to go and look at... You know, with all due respect, we don't need to go and look at who was drafted where and X, Y, and Z and who traded what. It's very simple. You didn't. You passed on Devin Booker for Trey Lyles, and Devin Booker turned into a perennial all-star, and, and basically at this point he's working on being a, a superstar in the league. Like, it's yeah. that simple. So I don't blame you for hating Book. I mean, he plays for the Suns, who are basically your biggest rival at this point. I get it. Like he, like he's the villain. I understand. Yep. But at the same time, let's not sit here and tear the guy down because you don't like him. 
you know, again, I think your point about when they trade Rudy, Jazz fans hating on him, that's going to happen. You know that's going to happen. With all due respect, that is what the fan base will do. So all of this to say, just be realistic. That's what you get on this show. We've been telling you that about many different things as far as this team is concerned. Be realistic about who these guys are. Yeah, and I agree with Forrest G who says, best thing about Daniel House, and by the way, it's Daniel, U-E-L, it's not Daniel. You're casual. Daniel is he comes in when Royce goes out. Give us extended perimeter defense, something we didn't have with Jingle Joe. When he brings yeah. energy. He that's does. That's the thing, and that's the biggest difference does. that I Absolutely. don't hear people talking about between him and Royce. It's not just that they're basically the same player, that they play D and they shoot the three. It's how they go about playing that defense. Because I can tell you, based on that matchup with Devin Booker, I agree he should not have been in Devin Booker's grill. He picked up a couple of silly fouls, and he'll he'll make that adjustment. But what I'm, what I'm specifically talking about is his ability to stay with Book or guys like Book when they drive to the paint. Because if he can stay with Book and be right there on his hip as he goes up, Rudy can help in other ways. And that's what this team doesn't have and needs more of. And that's why I think, in my opinion, he's better than Royce. Because Royce has shown repeatedly as this season has aged on that he has lost a step. And I'm not trying to hate on Royce, but the guys go by him but pretty Jake, easy. Jake, Jake, Jake. Jesus Christ destroys communism, says, when Daniel is in the house. Wow, that man. Wow. I mean, wow. Wow. That was really. He's a brilliant guy. That was really well done, dude. I I mean, I could have never done that myself, man. When Daniel is in the house, good things happen. And like I said, it's already showing on the numbers and the numbers don't lie. Stats lie every day. Swiderski says, Jake, you're right. What additions will we get after the season? What do you think? I have no idea. Well, I think that I, I honestly, man, I think that's a great question, but I think it's impossible to answer right now because you don't know, you know, you don't know how the playoffs are going to pan out. And I'm a big believer that, that the emotion that organizations feel after the playoffs are, are largely what makes their decisions in the off season. Honestly. And, of course, you know, that's why we would lose connection ah, to our meatball. You know, <laughs> how? How? I don't know. I, I I don't know why. I don't know why. It's time to buy a new iPad, I think. I don't know if that's what it is or I have no idea, but it is incredibly frustrating. So I apologize that we lost you on YouTube. I don't know why that happens. Perfect. Anyway, anyway, let's talk about LeBron owning an NBA team. Because I think one of the more interesting parts about LeBron owning an NBA team um, is that they're talking about doing that in Las Vegas. And they're talking about um, expanding to Seattle to bring the Sonics back and Las Vegas with a team that would be owned by LeBron James and the Fenway Sports Group. This according to Bill Simmons on the BS podcast. I have some intel. Okay. I think think the league is going to expand – to Vegas and to Seattle. And I think the leading contender to get that Vegas team is going to be the Fenway Sports Group that you know, that they have Liverpool, they've bought the Penguins. They've been circling different NBA teams for a while. I think they looked at Minnesota, and I think they're the leading contender to Vegas. And if I had to bet on a LeBron scenario, it would be for him to be involved with whatever happens with that, where he is the point man of that Vegas team. I think that is... Mm. Scenario A for LeBron. He wants to be an owner. I think he wants to run one of these teams. What do you make of that? When you say that 
He LeBron wants to run that team. He wants to be a point guy on that team. LeBron wants to own that team. Like, well, I mean, I think it makes perfect sense. I think that LeBron James is is somebody who's always wanted to be in control. And I think as much as we joke about the GM and all the memes and everything, Le I think it's true. Like, I think that LeBron is a team or is a guy who wants to go to a team and he wants to control the narrative. He wants to control what's said about the team. He wants to control, you know, what transactions they make. You know, basically he doesn't, and I think it was said best, like, and I can't remember who said it, but basically LeBron, if you think about it, has never been on a team where they're not chasing a title. You know, even in his early days, he was chasing the postseason with those terrible Cavs teams. So, you know, I, I, I just think that this makes sense. You know, I, I think if you look at if you look at what LeBron has said, He's essentially said that he's going to do whatever it takes to play with Bronny for one year. Yeah. So when I hear someone like Bill Simmons, who's very controversial, but admittedly is plugged in in the NBA, when I hear him say something like this, is it 100% true? I don't know if it's 100% true, but I do think there's some validity to it. I think it makes sense for where LeBron is at. He wants to run a team. He wants to play with his son. I don't know if those two are related. I would guess that they are. I don't know. I don't know if they are, but I would guess that they are. And I think LeBron, the only question for LeBron is, is he going to wind up resigning as CEO of a team the same way that Derek Jeter did yesterday? You know, when his time comes to yeah, do that. I, I, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting question because I think the most difficult part about being a guy like LeBron and, and one of the most difficult parts about being a guy like Derek Jeter is that you have such a high expectation, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think the hardest part is that you can't, and I don't, I don't even know how you describe the pressure that's on a guy like LeBron to, to perform at that level. Um, I think it's very difficult to have that kind of expectation. I think it's very difficult to, um, you know, just be able to say, Hey, I'm LeBron James. I was a great player. Of course I'll be a great owner. Yeah. Because Magic Johnson was terrible at it. Isaiah Thomas was terrible at it. Um, I think Mike, Michael Jordan's been terrible at it. So, you know, I, I, I just feel like there's not a whole lot of value in that. Mm -hmm. And I think you are asking for, for more trouble than, than it's worth. I, if you're going to be just part of an ownership group, I totally get that. Guys like Michael Jordan, the biggest issue is, um, the biggest issue is, is that you, you you don't have no guys. Yeah. And I think you're starting to see, you know, the the signs of positivity in Charlotte with Michael Jordan in the in the Hornets. I think obviously LaMelo was transformative. But for how them. long did that take if you think about it? A decade. Right. Like, I mean, you look at the Washington experiment, it was a complete failure. You look at and I think Magic Johnson's probably the best example of this. Yeah. Because I can only think of one guy who's had some modicum of success as a star going to the bench. But Magic Johnson has been nothing but a failure with the Lakers. Right. I mean, obviously the Dodgers won a world championship under his ownership group, so you can't say that. But I look at Larry Bird. He's the only guy that's really seen big success as one of the iconic players of his generation. You know, I just don't I just don't think it's I don't think it is I don't think it's easy to do at all. Listen, the Paul George Pacers were incredible. Okay. They were incredible. They that team that he put together was beating LeBron's Miami Heat team. Yeah. Ultimately they lose. But let's not forget the Paul George posterizing dunk on Birdman in the playoffs. You know, those moments were huge. So yeah, I mean, does does this make sense for LeBron? I mean, 
I don't know what other route he would go. He yeah, already has he already has so much happening off the floor that inevitably when he does retire, he's not he's not going to want to be out of the league entirely. He's going to be involved in basketball for the rest of his life in some capacity. And I think, you know, what better way to to start your your um, post basketball legacy than to own a team? What yeah. better way? And by the way, he's got the money to do it. I hope everybody realizes that. He has the money. Yeah. Uh, Brylark says, what about Jerry West? Well, I think Jerry West <laughs> was a different era, though. I mean, and I think Jerry hasn't been an owner. Um, I think Jerry West has been a great front office guy, absolutely. Um, but I think he, he was also from a very different era. I, I think it's going to be very difficult for LeBron. I mean, he already struggles with the expectations he puts on other guys. Mm -hmm. So... Which is know. ultimately the issue, and that's why I think that Kobe never really got into, never really got into owning a team. Kobe was more about entrepreneurial stuff and teaching people how to Hollywood. play, and you know, and yeah, and Hollywood, and like, and we've seen LeBron kind of get into that. Not so much the teaching people how to play, but like, you know, production and the shop and Space Jam, and which, by the way, that was an embarrassment in and of itself. Like, you know, <laughs> I just think that that the, you're not a space jam fan. not no i space jam is michael jordan not lebron james That's has just, he been a, has lebron james been a good businessman i mean yeah i think overall yeah i mean if being a good businessman is making money yeah i think though the question remains what what is his legacy going to be that's what i think is still i mean i'm having trouble saying this because of all the achievements he's knocking down and you know all the stats that he has on his side and everything yeah and i don't want to go down the rabbit hole of is he the greatest of all time but my question and i think the large question at play is what is lebron's legacy will this failure as a laker right right now this season will this failure of a season because that's what it is honestly you can't tell me that this team after signing DJ Augustine is going to go and run up the NBA finals. I just don't see that playing out. Like, I don't think so. You know either. what I mean? So like this season they'll survive and get in a play in tournament. So we'll say that they made the playoffs, but they're really not even making the true playoffs the way it used to be. So my question is you've been to the finals a gazillion times, which is greatness in and of itself, but you haven't won a gazillion rings and you're on this Laker team and it's rough right now. What will people remember you as? I don't know. I think LeBron's one of the greatest players ever, but I also think that LeBron has failed massively in the social circle. I think that business-wise, yeah, he's a very marketable player. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's whether it's Sprite, tonal. whether it's Tonal now. Not, I mean, I think Nike has been... I mean, does his shoe do well with Nike? It really doesn't. It's not... I think Nike was hoping that his shoe line would be what Jordan's were for your generation. And it just hasn't no. worked out because that way. he hasn't resonated across generations. LeBron, for everything that LeBron is as a player, I think he is he is just been a pretty average spokesperson. He's been because he won't put himself out in front of. Bless your a, soul. We are having a great show. He <coughs> he won't put himself out in front of things like Black Lives Matter. He yeah. won't put himself out in the biggest moments in time. I mean, not to keep going back to Russia, Ukraine, but the Klitschko brothers have a hit out on them from Vladimir Putin for crying out loud. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that LeBron needs to pick up a gun and, and go fight a war, but at some point, you, you have to take a stand. And I, I think when you look at LeBron James, he's a hell of a player. But I don't know that he has a legacy out off the basketball court. I really don't. 
Yeah. And, and but I, I think that's what he's going to define. That's why the owning the team thing is so important to him. And I also think, by the way, I also think, by the way, this is part of why Donovan Mitchell is so adamant that you have to win. Yes. Because I don't believe that you can build a legacy off the court when you don't win. Damian Lillard. I think it's awfully difficult to do that. And so I think that's why it's so important to him. Real quick, let's talk BYU football. They opened spring practice yesterday. I think this is an absolutely critical season for Jaron Hall. I think it is as critical as as any player in any sport Why? in college athletics. Because I think Jaron Hall's upside is incredible. His inability to stay healthy has crippled his performance. Right. And I think that he is supposedly, if you believe what everybody's saying, Jaron Hall has supposedly put everything he has into his body this year. Get your lazy ass in the gym. He is, yeah. I mean, he has really worked on being durable and staying healthy. And I think this is a very critical season for his, his speaking of legacies, legacy is a BYU quarterback. Um, I think he is really dynamic. I think he is. He has a chance by the time he's done playing in Provo to be the best um, dual threat quarterback they've ever had. Um, and I think that would be quite an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, you're looking at guys like Taysom Hill. Um, you know, it, 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 I think he has a chance to be the best dual threat quarterback they've ever had. And he's not probably going to go, you know, number two in the draft like Zach Wilson did, but he really has a chance to do some special things at BYU. He's got to be on the field to do that. And when he's on the field, he's got to be healthy. You can't have a three-game stretch like he had this year where he just wasn't fully capable. So I think this I think this is a huge moment in time for Jaron Hall. Yeah, I think ultimately it comes down to the choices he makes on the field, if I'm being completely you know, brutally honest. Like I think he can lift all the weight he wants to. He's never going to be durable enough to take a hit from a 250 pound linebacker running at full speed. No quarterback is. And yeah, maybe that, not. And I think that Jaron, uh, I agree. Jaron is a special talent, but again, in football, because of the physicality and the, the brunt force that that game is played with, you have to make better decisions. I mean, this, yeah. this is, this isn't the first time that we're talking about mobile quarterbacks at the college level or in the, or or in the NFL, you know, making better decisions. I mean, you know, look no for, no further than RG3 in his time. He made poor decisions. He did not last. And that's what Jaron Hall has to understand. And furthermore, that's why I think the recruiting that's gone on in this offseason is is going to allow him to make better decisions. Yes. You know, and and I think that it would be a real shame for Jaron Hall to put in all this work in the offseason, all the strength training, all the conditioning, healing the body, to go out and try to take that hit for that first down in a big moment. Like, step out, right? Don't get hit in the open field. Take the three yards instead of trying to get five. Like, that's what that's a development that yeah. needs to happen. Yeah, I think that this season is make or break for Jaron Hall. I really do. Because there's there's nobody else. He is the guy. He is the number one. He is not competing for the job this year. He's the number one. Yeah. And he needs to he needs to dominate from the first snap well, of spring all the way through bowl season. And if you're Conover sitting in the background, I would be ready to play. I would be like obviously he's gonna be ready to play, but like for just him as a guy, as a dude, as a football player, like, you know, don't just embrace the role of being a number two. 
embrace the role of knowing you will at some point be the number one on this oh, team. Oh, I think as a number two, you have to believe you're the best quarterback. In yeah. The team. There's and, no and doubt like, about and it. And I think that, I think that, I guess I, maybe this is me being cynical. I don't believe for a second that Jaron Hall is going to survive the whole season. I just don't. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, Jaron's going to ball out. No doubt. I ain't worried. Brandon Whiteside says, Draymond would be nobody without Clay and Curry. See, and that's what I mean. That's just such an average take, dude. Gabe Ledley says, Drake has more iconic Nikes than LeBron. Agreed. I would agree with that. That's a very good take. I mean, if you look at the, the shoe game, I mean, I think it's right now, I think Kobe's are the GOAT. Like right now, because of his passing and the inability to get your hands on Kobe's shoe, Kobe's are the GOAT. But there's no doubt the iconic shoe in all of sports is the Jordan. Mm-hmm. Any iteration of the Jordan. Um, I think that LeBron's shoe is not even at the forefront of most people's minds. No. I mean, it is. And it's because of him. It, it's because. It, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Bradlark says, was Steve Young considered a, a dual threat at BYU? I don't were, were there dual threats back in the 30s when Steve Young was playing? I don't Young think that's playing? what you called Steve Young at that time. I in said that in the, the 30s. Yeah, the 30s, right. I'm for real. Right, back in the day. Yeah, in like the 60s when Steve Young played. Right, right. Do you know who Steve Young is? Yes, I know who Steve Young is. Lefty or righty? Lefty. Phil Mickelson? Yeah. Better lefty? No, nope. Not doing it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jeremy Bolton says, I think Starberry's shoes are better than LeBron's. Could be. You know what I think? I think, do you guys remember the, the Spreewell Spinner shoes? Wow. You don't probably no, I remember don't. that. Hi, guys. Love the show. Jair Murray Jr. says, good to see you, my friend. Um, Chris Karn says, it looks like Jake was making a, a really good point. When the audio went out, everybody was saying that you were making a really so good point. So what the hell happened? The show turned off and turned back on? I or what's going know. on today? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I think I, yeah, I don't know. Too I'm, fucking bad, yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know. Thankfully, it turned on. It is what it is. Okay. Turning on is always a good thing. Hey, baby. Oh. Wow. <laughs> wow, bro. Wow. By the way, did you see Keep the video? Real. Did you see the video, the daddy video I yes, sent yesterday? Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's a whole thing going on where dudes will walk up behind other dudes. And like either moan in their ear or like, <laughs> I think I would never do it. And I'd beat wholesale ass if somebody walked up behind me and did that. But I think it's funny. It I is. think the videos are so, that it's daddy funny, video. Dude. Yes, oh, in the man, car. It's funny. Was so funny. I think it's hysterical. Um, you guys are absolute legends. I know. And we're good looking too. Buckets uh, o' bench. That's all I have to say. Jeremy Bolton says Spreewells. Yes, that's right. Yeah, for like five whole minutes, LOL, Jeff Johnson says, yeah, the Spreewell spinner shoes were, were those and ones or I can't remember who put those out, but those were amazing. Those were absolutely maze balls. Oh, man. What shoes did you wear growing up? I think your big thing, you begged me to buy you Nike shocks for the longest time. Yeah, I love Nike shocks. Those you remember those? Yes. Oh, those were awesome. Yes. I think probably Jordan's Nike shocks. Yeah, you know, for sure. The cool kids club shoes. Yeah, I wasn't an Adidas guy, and still I'm not an Adidas guy. Never have been, never will be. Yeah, it no, just is what it is. I'm All good. right, should we talk about home gyms? Yes, yes. Okay, so by the way, this stuff in in Ukraine is still mind blowing. Yeah, but anyway, home gyms. We're watching. The, we have the news on in the background. It's, it's not good, dude. Uh, home gyms. Do you, do you even lift? I do lift. Um, I'd rather lift at the gym than at home. 
Um, but the one thing I bought this weekend because I'm kind of a baller, you know, right, you right, know, right. I, you know, but as a pimp, I make a lot of money. Um, so the point is I bought a treadmill this weekend. We're getting somewhere. I bought a, uh, Bowflex T10. 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 Like the tank. In that ass. Um, I don't know why. I have no idea. It just happened. <laughs> um, I bought the Bowflex T10 treadmill. Are people mired? It's on sale. It was only 1500 bucks. I mean, you know. That's pretty much self-explanatory. It'll be two weeks before it gets delivered. And the reason I bought it is because I'm trying to kick up my cardio. Right. I'm doing summer shred. Right. <clears throat> because we're going to Hawaii for two weeks in August. We've got we've just got all kinds of stuff where I'm going to need to be shirtless and tan like a bronze statue. Line of cane and B12. It, well, probably. Yeah. Um, and if anybody wants to send me some testosterone on top of that, please do. I have never taken steroids. You know, uh, no, I'm sure you haven't. Uh, my point is. <laughs> I got this treadmill so I could kick up my cardio because one of the things that I've really tried to do is add 20 to 30 minutes of cardio to my lifting sessions three to four days a week. And knowing that it's going to snow this weekend, I'm going to be on the mountain all weekend. Mm -hmm. So Monday through Friday workouts are really important at this point. Will you use a treadmill? Would you ever own a treadmill? I probably wouldn't buy one. I probably wouldn't just because I have the gym membership, you know, so I would just, the question really is, the question that I think is so fascinating with with our current situation is incline walking or jogging, because I think you can make a case for both. But you're a big advocate of incline walking. I am. I think that I've done a ton of research on this, and it's called steady state cardio, um, where you are essentially keeping your heart rate in your fat burning zone. So for me, 118 to 120 heart rate for a steady period of time, which for us is 20 to 30 minutes, depending on what time my meal is going to be ready at Chipotle. Um, so 20 minutes, 118, 120 beats, and it has really thinned me out. Walking at a 3.5 incline at a 2.5 speed. Right. So not, not fast. The audio is out again. Dude. Uh, not fast. And all I can say is, is that um, it has made a huge difference for me as far as like, you know, as far as like the fat burn goes. And it has really thinned me out. Um, and it is, oh, I can see how frustrated you are. It is it really. It pisses me off. Th this technology there shit has no been overwhelming. for this. None. And I don't know what it is. We had, we had very few problems in LA. And I, I just don't know what it is. I'm telling you it's our internet. And we pay a gazillion dollars a month to, um, I can't even remember who CenturyLink. Were. CenturyLink, thank you. To CenturyLink for super fast internet. And, you know, like it just doesn't work. Is it back? No, it's not. It's not. And it's really frustrating. I'm telling you. Going to have to move the router. I'm telling you. We're going to have to move the router and put it right next to the camera. Okay. Well, I'm, I, I, I don't know how you do that. I, I don't know how you do that. Um, and it's just, it is incredibly frustrating. It is really, really frustrating to the point where it just, it makes me want to, I, I, I like we should hire a guy to do technology infrastructure build for us because this just cannot keep happening. It is so incredibly frustrating. Yeah. We're going to have to find a solution, bro. Good Lord. Like, man. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what we look into. I, 
I, I just feel bad for the listener because like the audio podcast is unaffected. For those of you who listen on, you know, Stitcher or, you know, SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever, you're not affected by this issue. But we have a ton of listeners who who tune in on YouTube live ev- live every morning. And it's like, you know, two, three days a week where the audio will just cut out, dude. Everybody's like, say goodbye, Jake. Play the music, Jake. All right, Jake, dude, see you tomorrow. What the f- I mean <laughs> it's so it i don't mean to be an asshole about it it's ridiculous there is like i want to i like for the life of me i want to pull up the demarcus cousins clip where he's on the floor in the white jersey saying it's ridiculous that's what this is it is and the funny thing is youtube's like oh you guys have an excellent connection other than the fact that you're not yeah other than nobody can hear us thank you (laughs) thank you bro thank you so you know it just it's it's just really frustrating because the thing is is the Mevo the reason we use the Mevo is because it's built to be a really reliable simple solution for what we do and in a lot and of it's times it's not so it is, simple anymore the the reason in in Mrs. Monty and you have told me that moving the router doesn't matter because walls don't matter well it, and it's a hundo P you, right it's a hundred percent P but clearly it's not a hundo P that's what I'm saying. Like it may say that, but what is the difference? I the difference is is last week when we were in Southern California on the road, the difference was is the router was two feet maybe. Right, but now that the iPad is telling me that the camera's not responding. Well, it is what it is. Anyway. So the point is is that yeah, now we're gonna have to hire somebody to come in like it's just it's unnecessary it is incredibly frustrating necessary time and effort and by the way money that just doesn't need to happen all right so there you have it great show guys yes i bought a treadmill vladimir putin's a cock and uh yeah i guess you can play the music now i mean i I appreciate you guys listening i expect tomorrow you'll catch us up on the incline cardio thanks jeff johnson says i will I will. Incline cardio and stuff. All right. It's an awkward way to end the show, frankly. Hit subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. See you tomorrow. Say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.